Welcome in, you are listening to another episode of the Keep the Change podcast. We've got Tama Singh back in the studio, ready to go through predictions for the property market of 2024. One thing that Kiwis love more than their partners or their pets, mate, is property. PPP, partners, pets or property, they're always going to lean towards the property. So I thought we'll get the chance to ask you what might happen in 2024. But mate, before we do that, I asked the people of the Keep the Change community on Instagram, what questions would you like me to ask Tama? Now, the first one is, how did he go with Movember, or is that a all-year-round thing? Oh, yes. I was talking about it actually with my partner, and I said, well, after this last seminar that I've got on December 13th, I think by the 15th, it might be gone. Wow. Yeah, I think I've done over a year of it now, and, you know, it's sort of, unless it's stuck to my branding so much. Oh, you've seen that guy with the videos, the one with the moustache? The Indian guy? Oh, yeah, that guy. (laughs) (laughs) But it's not working like that, or we'll find out. Yeah. Yeah. All right, mate, so the first one here says, just brought my first property with my brother. What do I do to get another now? Okay, so the first thing you should do is looking to add value to it. And if you guys are both physical, the easiest way to do that is to check the floor size of the house and add an extra bedroom. That is the first thing you'd want to look to do. If you can't do that, you're going to have to do other forced appreciation of things that you can do for cheap, which would be like giving it a whole new paint. You would want to go with two-tone paint, ideally, if you've got the time to do this yourself. That'll be white ceilings and different color toned of the walls. Then you'd probably look at doing new carpet and also vinyl external paint as well if you can and landscaping. That will bring the property price up and then you might have to fork out maybe 1200 bucks to book in a registered valuer. Check with the bank that holds your mortgage to see if they'll actually accept that valuation or they might book it for you. Then the valuer comes in, sees all the amazing work you've done and they will value your house and you are hoping that that has increased your house significantly compared to what you bought it for. Then that'll give you additional equity that could be used for a deposit, 35%. For another house. Fuck, that is a good answer. Yeah. I said to him, pay it off. (laughs) I saw that and I was like, oh, I don't know about that one. (laughs) That's why we got you here, mate. Yeah. Well done. Okay. What other things people do that overcapitalize a flip? Cool. So obviously that's things where you can't see. Um, Obviously you want to be someone that doesn't really cut corners, but there could be... Just there, we talked about the whole going into the two-tone type thing, you know. Um, If you haven't got the time and it costs a painter an extra five grand to do it two-tone, maybe just don't do that. If you can get away with not having to replace every single wall and just do skim coats from the plaster instead, uh, overcapitalizing on a new roof where it could have just had certain sheets replaced, galv primed and painted. Um, Basically, all the big-ticket items plumbing, sparkies, things that you didn't, you were too lazy to maybe get two quotes. So you just went with the first guy you called off Google. That'd be me. Yeah, yeah, exactly. (laughs) Hey, I was guilty of that as well. Um, Yeah, but overcapitalizing on a renovation, yeah, you just don't want to go into the things, you know, hardware, that's very expensive because there's so many door handles, window latches, all that type of stuff. You can get into the gold brass window latches where you don't need to, just stainless steel, chrome, Curtains, curtain builds can go up to $4,000 for thermal double-backed ones where you can just get the ones from like Kmart or the warehouse. Um, Carpets as well, you can go for really expensive, uh, they're weighted by 
kg and you go for a really thick one where it doesn't really matter as long as it's brand new so you went for the four and a half thousand dollar carpet for three bedroom rather than the eleven thousand dollar one yeah so just things that you um yeah overcapitalizing not good but at the same time doesn't weigh in comparison of buying well and do you do this because you don't do enough due diligence at the start to figure out, hey, maybe the nah, roof... Nah, people get too emotionally attached and they're renovating it as if they're going to live in it. Uh, I see that's this all the they, time. That's what they do and they go for the custom-made um, kitchen that has all the old colonial-style cabinets that need to be custom-fit, delivered, ordered, when they could just get a cheap $8,000 one for Maira 10. Yeah. And they want to go with the really expensive marble-type top bench top they go for the chattels that are bosch branded smeg or whatever where they don't need to that's pretty much where they they make the mistakes yeah. yeah interesting i talk about this all the time on podcasts and with clients we are the best example of this in business is that clients don't want to do email marketing because they don't like getting emails and i'm like that is not the right thinking you know fucking Burberry sending out emails, Air New Zealand yeah. at 5am every day. Like, and then I say to them, have you ever brought anything this year from an email? Oh yeah, well of course I have. But like, it's just fucking annoying when people send those out. I'm like, well then don't make them annoying. Make them like the one that got <laughs> sent to you where you did buy something. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. Yep. But I think, yeah, people get too emotional in their own thinking rather than, okay, what does the buyer want? Correct. Mm. And what does it serve the purpose of the area? So, you know, and then the other main thing that we always do is like, do we want this to go and overcapitalize and get 500,000 when we know we could have just sold it for 460 and had it not done to an absolute top-notch quality because the buyer would have been like, just give me that discount and I'll get my family who are all in the trades, or whatever, we'll do the rest. We don't need that wraparound deck that you guys were going to do. Uh, we will just keep it at this price because we can chip away at that ourselves and if you're selling to first one buyers they're probably going to live in it for at least five years mm. so it'll they will eventually add those improvements themselves at a no labor cost so know your buyer know your buyer know the area that serves them yeah yeah they don't need the fancy landscaping if there was fucking a disgusting amount of demand for a four bedroom yeah. they only cared about getting a four bedroom under 500k they don't need the deck they don't need the swimming pool. They the don't bird need, bath. Nah, they don't need that. They and then you need to know just what are the things that'll pass a bills report for, so they can get finance. So you don't have to go full on rewire, full on new plumbing. Just certain things that will tick the box that the bank will accept to give finance. Okay, the next one says, "What do people look for when buy a flipped house?" When uh, they buy a flipped house? Yeah, I wonder if that's what they mean, but they've kind of worded it. What do people look for when buy a flipped house? So maybe it's... Well, two answers here. I can give him the fact that if he's looking to buy a house to flip, obviously it needs to have places you can add value to. You don't want something that is almost all done that when you buy it and the price is reflected, you're like, well, we can't really paint it because it's already painted. We can't upgrade the kitchen. It's already, like, it's already new. And you're buying it like 30k less than what you can go off and sell it for but that 30k will get eaten up by the agent fees solicitor fees finance costs you're making no profit whatsoever so you need a house that is distressed and it needs massive room for improvement but if that the other side if, if he wrote it incorrectly what do they look for after they're buying someone that's renovated a house mm -hmm. Because there is a stigma out there especially in Auckland where there's a lot of people that do cheap shit nasty renos and they get a bad name so they would probably look at certain things where 
if it was said it was done, where is it in writing or documented? If it was newly rewired and it's just the switchboard that you can see new, can we see an electrical COC given from a Sparky that says that the whole house has been rewired? Check the the chattels because sometimes they can be really cheap secondhand stuff from the nasty Chinese websites that we all know and know of. Yeah, um, there could be painting overshoot. Yeah, paint, painting issues, all the visual things that you can see, but that's aesthetic. Then there's also like really good inspections of say the roof. Um, and underneath the piles and things like that. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's, it's a difficult one there. Uh, this one might be more just sort of specific property related, but uh, anyway, it says, save up a higher deposit for a better quality home, question mark, or buy a cheaper home with a lower deposit. Oh, he's probably talking about like the new builds where you can get in with a lower deposit compared to an existing at 35%. Mm. Main thing there I would always recommend is, it's different for every person, but if you want to have more wealth, which means it comes from more property, you buy the lower rundown house with the 35% deposit, but it's cheaper. So that rather than buying an $800,000 new build with a 10% deposit, yeah. you're buying something that's 600K with 35% deposit. Okay, yeah. Maybe the math will yeah, line yeah. up. You know, Not you, you one, know how fucking yeah, terrible yeah. my math is. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but it means that you have more room to improve it. Because there's not much value to be added to a new build, right? Because shouldn't none. they be pretty perfect? Absolutely none. That's yeah. why it's called turnkey. It's in the contract. Yeah. There's absolutely no flaws. 10-year guarantees given. Like You have to wait for the entire neighborhood, the value to go up of the land. Because yeah. the improvement values of the house, it's all, it's all mint. It's all perfect. So you, you have to be able to upgrade your house and it's got to be existing. Well, this one says... This is a bit random for you, mate, but I know you're an uh, you're an open book. So, why did your Instagram content change when you quit your job? Uh, I guess it's probably around when I quit. It went on to the seminars, literally four days later. So, a lot of it, which is I don't want to be that type of person, but at the same time, we talked about it. A lot of the content was pushing towards selling the tickets. Yeah. So you know, like we booked a hall for like a hundred people, and in those five days after quitting my job, it was pushing content to fill those seats. Yeah. And then after that content, it was the mentorships. So it was a lot of content around the mentorships. I'm not too sure if it's the content or the qu or the quantity or what he's meaning there, but it quit because hopefully it, it changed for the better. Yeah. I was, yeah, I mean, that's a random question because how to, yeah, I guess when you're creating content, how And the other one was the timing. I didn't mm. post between nine and five that's before right. I had my job. Because it's fucking working. <laughs> I was doing right. my job. <laughs> yeah. Right, mate. Well, this one, what we're going to do is I'm going to hit record and have it up on the screen because then people are going to know that there's a podcast coming. So this one says, would love some direction on how to make the jump from first investment property to second investment property using the firsts equity. Yep. Cool. So the first thing is to do is get an eval from maybe a broker, then that will show the value of your first property from the actual bank. If they say it's pretty light, you're going to have to pay for valuation, as we said beforehand. Then whatever the value is of that house, minus your mortgage, that's what you can borrow up to, 80% of that, because it's an existing unoccupied. If that might be 150 grand, then you can literally go and buy I don't know the fucking maths here, I'll use it on my calculator, maybe a $340,000, $350,000 house, and that 135 k of equity you've used from your first house pays for the 35%. Now, if that house needs renovations, you're going to need additional money there. 
But if it's a pretty good buy and it's tenant healthy homes ready already, that 35, 35% from your existing house would just pay for it and that's your second property. Yeah. So that's how you do it. You'd leverage. But some people that have numerous amounts of equity in that whole house, they'll keep leveraging 80% of their own occupied and they can buy five houses. Like if you've got a $2 million house mortgage-free in Auckland, fucking go buy half of a regional town. <laughs> But that's where I guess people need to go. If that's what they want to do, they've got to go down that path and learn more about that, right? And 100%. go and find people that are currently doing it. Um, go and research it. Go and Google it. Go and speak to a mortgage advisor. Do the I always say do the free shit. Mm. Send the email to the broker. Send the email to the accountant. Send yeah. the email to the bank person that emailed you once nine years ago. Send the email. It's free, right? And then, um, yeah, and if you're going to look at Get some free quotes to see how much it actually costs to do a renovation in this area that you might be looking. Parents are from, say, Hawke's Bay. So we might look in Hawke's Bay. All right, so say you bought this house. How much is a sparky? How much is a plumber? You can do all that free stuff first. Mm. We're looking at buying this house. We're looking at going to auction and bidding on this house. And then the sparkies and stuff might give you quotes. You're like, okay, so if we're looking at doing this, we at least we know this guy. We know this guy. So it's just free stuff that you can do before taking the jump. Nice, mate. Well, let's dive into some predictions as such uh, for 2024. Is there anything that comes straight to mind when you think about property in 2024? Yeah, one of the most relatable things, because I'm currently going through it myself, is um, interest rates rolling over. So that is the thing where, I mean, I'm still quite young and I haven't seen like a 08 financial crash because I was only, fuck, I don't even know how old I was back in 2008. About 23. But, yeah, but now I'm starting to see for the next time I'm 40, what it, what it was sort of like. Mm. Money was very cheap in 2020, 2.5% roughly. There may be a lot of people that may be fixed for three years at that point. All I know is that I've got around about a million dollars rolling over to 7% or more in the next month. And the next month. In the next month, in yeah. January 24th. So it's a million dollars going from 5.85 to 7.2. And I've done the calculations. Obviously, it's going to be quite a bit. Um, one, my other friends told me as well, he's got $800,000 rolling over in January as well. And I was like, that's odd. January too, eh? Um, and he said that's going to cost him an extra $21,000 a year just on additional interest. You break that down to what it's going to cost you per month, um, that's quite a bit. Mm. Nearly a couple of grand a month. Nearly a couple yeah, of grand a month. Of just, in, yeah. just out the window money, right? Doesn't add any more value to your house. It's just the cost of holding on to this asset. Yeah. So a lot of people are going to have to weigh up, is it worth us holding on to our rentals that are going to negatively cash flow us 100%? And then we get stuck with a massive tax bill for interest deductibility. And luckily with the new government, if it didn't, a lot of the people that I knew that had holds in April, May is when the tax sort of your accountant sent you your bill earlier this year is around April, May. And there's a few yep. of them asking like, hey, I got this bill for 18 grand. I got this bill for 20 grand. It's mm. from holding this property I bought 18 months ago. Is that how that interest deductibility works? And I'm like, yes. You earned $600 a week from that house times 52. You, added, you, you earned this much rental income. And your interest was this amount, and you don't get to deduct it, etc. That's your bill. If your accountant said that's your bill, well, fuck, that's your bill, right? Mm. And then now with Labor um, National bringing it down to fifty, I guess her bill would have only been nine, until they phase it out further and further. Yes. Yeah, so for the two thousand and twenty-four financial year, which is about to end thirty-one March twenty twenty-four, 
interest was going to be 50% tax deductible. So basically, say you had... Yeah, it went up in that uh, that 25 to 50. Yeah. Yeah. So I've just finished reviewing a rental summary where basically they had around 21 grand or let's say 20 grand of interest and only $15,000 of that was going to be tax deductible because it's for the 2023 financial year. So five grand they can't claim as a tax deductible expense. In 2024 for them, if interest stayed at 20 grand, which it wouldn't, it's probably going to go to about, say, 25 for them, only $12,500 would be a tax deductible expense. So not only would they be paying more for their interest, but they would be able to claim less for their interest on this property. So it's a double whammy on the negative. Yeah. And now the new government are proposing to move that 50 to around 60, I think, and then it'll phase out kind of the other way back to 100% again. Uh, But I don't have the exact timings of those. I haven't learned them yet, but... Mm. That's a slight win for yeah property investors. Hundred percent. When I talk to a lot of the people that have five to ten holds, that's the massive game changer, right? There's one thing there, mate, that um, property investors might find interesting. If you owe money to the IRD and your bill was on the seventh of April, you can look to get a payment plan and put that in place. You could even look at tax pooling. So look that up. So basically. You miss your payment date because you couldn't afford to pay it on that date. But you go to tax pooling, and they have credits from some of the massive inter- uh, the massive companies in New Zealand who have paid over what they should have. Yeah. And you can buy those credits. You will pay a finance rate, yeah. roughly around ten percent at the moment. Okay. But I think it can buy you sort of two months to go back and pay for it as if you did pay it on the correct date by using somebody else's credit yeah. that gets allocated and to your account. And obviously the 10% finance is still less than a penalty fee from IRD. Bingo. Because that's what you're trying to avoid is payment penalties because correct. payment penalties absolutely destroy Are you. expensive. And yeah. it's not good to have that history with IRD as well. No. And payment penalties aren't tax deductible, whereas interest costs, interest costs normally Ah, yeah, yeah. 100%. So that could be something for some people thinking, how are we going to pay that? Maybe you've got uh, some money coming in on a settlement in May, for yeah. instance. Have a look at tax pooling. There might be a solution there for you. Or pick up the phone, front foot it with the idea and say, hey, I'm going to be able to pay on this date and build a payment plan because they're pretty open to that stuff too. Yeah. And for a lot of people, they wouldn't have had to do that in the past because they wouldn't have had tax bills. So that's another layer of education that you could go and explore. Yep, 100%. A good point. Um, but yeah, going back to like predictions as well, um, say like mortgagee sales, right? A lot of people, it's happened this year. Uh, we've actually gone to a few of those auctions and tried to buy them. Uh, understanding the risk of buying a mortgagee sale is, is one thing. But when I talk to certain brokers and other people in the space, they sort of say that you have to almost not pay your mortgage for like six months for then the bank to then have exhausted all options to then force the sale. So it's not just you miss it for two months, three months. It's around about that six months part. So if that, some people are in that now. They might be on like month four. You know, if we mm. see what the OCR's done and how interest rates, how long they've been sitting at over the 7% mark now, which I think has been around three months now, three or four months at 7% then a lot of people that rolled over at that same time could be now hitting their six-month forced mortgagee sales February, March, April. Yeah, and again, decisions, choices, action led everyone down that that route, right? Which is not good, but that's just, um, we even know 
people in the trades that we may have worked with once or twice and their family are going through it and obviously they come to us would you guys want to buy it at this uh, so we can avoid the bank and all the fees and the, everything else right yeah so yeah so you're seeing more of that oh 100 yeah not yeah. even just in auckland like this is everywhere right yeah seven percent seven percent nationwide i saw recently that requests for KiwiSaver hardship have doubled. Correct. Yeah. Yes, that's that's crazy. I think we'll see that increase as well because monkey see, monkey do. So that for some people wouldn't have been an option. They wouldn't have thought about that. Yeah, yeah. But they will say, oh shit, now, I didn't think that. of that. Yep. Maybe I should go and do that. Mm. That's really bad because we're going to see people basically use their future um, and sacrifice that for short-term thinking. Yep. Hey, like everybody's in different situations. It is what it is. But Kiwis and humans are very, very... Uh, in, intuitive or find ways to basically go right my back's against the wall i'm gonna i'm gonna exhaust every option i have here before i have to let go of my house yeah, or as you should whatever. right mm. yeah and um i read the articles like nineteen thousand fixed mortgages are rolling over next year yeah Shit. nineteen thousands a lot yeah you know? so that's everyone at seven percent at least six point something if you're a first home buyer with a very special bank yeah. Post the election, have you seen a bit more excitement around property and in yeah, your space? What have you noticed? 100%. There has been a lot of people sitting on the sidelines waiting to buy investment properties. The expectations of a gross yield, which might have been, you know, 6 to 8%, now they've become a little bit more lenient towards a lower yield because eventually the tax infrastructure will be wiped out. And buy and hold investors do intend to hold for at least, you know, five to ten years yeah so as long as national stay in with that rule uh, you know they'll buy accordingly so we've had even buyers that we tried to sell uh, a deal to that would not have bought unless national won. wow and so that's literally changed a sale from us immediately i saw someone say to me recently post the election with the interest deductibility changing they're like this is the difference between me moving to australia and not yep 100 <laughs> percent. i had mates like that as well they're like, i'll move to sweden i'm like why fucking sweden <laughs> but anyway yeah um Think literally waiting telling me oh i'm the first one in that polling booth wearing my blue jumper wow <laughs> like yeah. couldn't wait for it you know so yeah it's been a huge um i guess a huge thing for property investors they'll obviously come with their other policies you know that people might not agree on but you know i'm in the property game and act was a huge supporter of he was the only one that wanted to just completely abolish that interest deductibility yeah you know which is probably the reason why it's at 60 not yeah. 50 yeah so you know they, they, i'm pretty sure it's him to thank and i've got lunch with him soon so i'll ask wow. him that there you yeah, go. I, I won it at auction. Is, oh, did you? Yeah, I, yeah. Bet it, I bet it at auction won it. I was going to say, I thought he might be coming to your... Uh, I fucking would try event. and get him there. <laughs> yeah. Change the lunch to drinks Yeah, at the Hoyts event, yeah. Anything else in the property space that you're predicting for 2024? Um, I guess, sorry, yeah. before you go to that, you're probably then going to go into buying season, right? Because well, that's the thing. I mean, you're gonna if, get you're, if, you, if you're good at negotiating, it's buying season all the time. Yeah, you know, okay. but especially now, yes. And then what we do, we buy so well, we end up feeding that discount towards our buyers. Yeah, um, it is. It is definitely going to be a buyer season into next year, just because of the amount of vendors that would need fast sales, mm. avoid the mortgage, um, mortgage sale, mortgage sale. Yeah, things like that. Yeah. and obviously this is the time to really develop relationships with agents. 
you know, have their ear to the ground for you, have them working for you to send you the deals that they know are coming up to try and avoid the market because a lot of investors will also be coming out of the shadows. So that will bring more competition. Okay, yeah. It has to, you yeah. know? So they are an agent's going, right, oh, I can get a commission here if I can get this bad boy sold. Mm. I know that Tama and his crew or somebody yeah. are wanting to buy a property like this. I'm straight on the phone. Hey, mate, heads yeah. up. This one's coming to the market because Georgie boy is selling it. And he's Correct. moving to and Sweden. A, the, the tip here for the listeners is, of course, the agent's job will get the best amount for their vendor. They're going to try and make a multi-offer. Why? Because an extra... 15 grand, which isn't much in the scheme of a property sale, might put an extra grand in their back pocket. Mm. But they might wipe off that grand just because if they give it to you, you might give them the listing on the resale. And that puts another Uh. 15 to 18 grand in their pocket. So why would they just try and entice a multi-offer bid to make an extra grand, you lose it, and they sold it to someone else, and they just kept it. Mm. Or sold with another agent. And they're like, that 1K was not worth fucking missing out on him buying it and making me an extra 20. Because they knew that you were going to sell it again. Correct. And And that's why I've always said, you know, agents love house flippers more than they love buy and hold investors. Because a house flipper can give them two sales in a year. Yeah. A buy and hold person's giving them once. And every fucking year they get to deliver a bottle of wine to them every Christmas, hoping for them to call them one day. With their shitty magnet for the fridge. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yep. hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. I derailed you there. Any other predictions in the property space that you have got front of mind? Um, There might be a lot of um, maybe talking to people that move to Australia or just Australian investors also coming to buy in New Zealand. Um, Because, again, their yields were affected with the interest deductibility as well. Yeah. So we had Australian buyers that we knew that were just sitting on the sidelines, and they're also looking to to come in here. There's also the Overseas um, Investment Act that Luxton's trying to bring in, so more foreign buyers, but they have to be over a certain percentage of house price. That's going to do something as well. Um, But, yeah, just overall, not it's going to change for the mass in the negative. That's the main thing because it's going to still be hard times, expensive materials is also going up. You know, I've got emails from like Razine, um, all the major suppliers might attend and stuff of price increases in February. So they give normally a three month heads up. Yeah. So that's going to come as well. And more material prices, it reflects in the overall house sales. Yeah. And with the new government coming in, new builds will not seem as attractive as they were when labor was in. That's another main thing. And a lot of developers will know that and they're going to be like, ah, fuck. Because the... Interest deductibility was completely gone for them. Yeah. Like wasn't applied to them. Yeah, so you could claim 100% of your interest. But now they had a... And that only came in March, like March 2021. I think they brought that rule Mm. out. So they had a great 18 months yeah, yeah. of pushing there, buy new builds. You have this, you have this, you have this. But now with National and they're like, you know, it's a huge pillar gone from the benefit of buying a new build. And that affects a lot of the first home buyers. Yeah. The first home buyers, they, they go to the seminar and this would get thrown down their throats 100% of the time. You know, when you eventually rent this out, you don't have to pay your interest, blah, blah, blah. But now that's gone, they're going to be like, well, we can get in now, create, add value to an existing home. You know, mm. we get the interest deductibility at 60% until it rolls over to 100. We've got land that we might be able to fucking build on or do something with. Yeah, yeah. that's the thing. It's going to be a bit of a um, struggle street for some developers that expected to get a lot of sales next year. 
So for Kiwis in general, 2024 be a tough year, you think? Yeah, 100%. Yeah. Yeah. It's Even Luxton said it yesterday. He's oh, like, really? Yeah, he's like, it's going to get worse before it gets better. Oh, wow. It's yeah. good that someone's fucking the, saying that. In the New Zealand Herald, yeah. Oh, shit. Front okay. page. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Because there's, a, I think, a bit of a false hope from people where they think, oh, if the OCR comes down or interest rates come down, like, yeah, it's fucking, it's, it's, it's all on again, party time. But it's not like the bank's just going to, let you get out of your mortgage and start paying lower rates without stinging your fee. No way. Yeah, it's still nah. a big grind, you know, yeah. where you've got to transition into those rates. There's been a lag to get onto these mm. rates. There'll still be a lag to 100%. get to the lower rates. So the yeah. longer we stay at peak rates, yet they can drop them and drop them quickly, but the bank is still going to sting you if you try and go, right, I want to reset my loan term and, and yeah. whatnot. You're going to have to watch it roll off. So, And you listen to a lot of the other big uh, economists, like it's going to stay like, high interest rates and the biggest factor to everyone's wallet that's why the main thing that controls inflation is the ocr that's linked to the mortgages right mm. that's going to stay over the at least five or six percent for 18 months is what it's sort of been recorded at and so people need to make the decision like it's not just thinking about next year and they don't do anything for the first quarter and be like ah oh, fuck it yeah. Like still work for your future self. Yes. Make sure in even 2025, if you piss us around, but you made all the foundations, networks and tools in 2024, then 2025, you start to hit that light at the end of the tunnel. That's what they're actually doing. But just don't give up in the first quarter if you haven't struck gold, as they say, you know, like, um, and I, I've thought of this for a while because I saw the amount of holes that, you know, me and my family have, and I know the debt that's owing on it. And we all started out two and a half years ago when fucking mortgage was 2.5%. I was yeah. like, Dad, what the hell's wrong with you? This is fucking easy. <laughs> yeah. like, this isn't hard. We can buy five. We've we bought five in our first year. Wow. You know? And then now I sort of get a bit more experience. So I'm like, oh, wait, is this what 7% is? Okay. Um, but just in the, the thing that I preach, you know, with flipping lump sums of money, we've got three properties settling on December 20th. And once that comes in, 25 grand allocated to that account straight away. Don't nice. have to worry about it for the whole of the fucking year. Oh, I love Done. that. So don't give up on trying to increase your value and learn how to make more money. Correct. Yeah. Even Always. if interest rates start going down. Fuck, it's not your time to then be like, oh, sweet. Now I don't need to listen yeah. to that stuff. And, and even if you manage to get a really good rate and you get a really good whatever for your individual circumstance, that still hasn't given you a skill where you can help your family. Yeah. Because what you think, they're just all going to get that rate and all this stuff happens for them? Nah. Yeah. So that's always just thinking bigger but without having them to ask for the help and then you're fucked and you're like, I can't help you. Yeah. The interesting thing that will be hard for a lot of people to understand is that interest rates are actually a great teacher for us because they teach us to become somebody who we're not. And if we can increase our income and earn more... You can't take that skill from you. So then what you can do, even if interest rates decrease, is you can go, well, actually, I'm going to stay on this path and I'm going to pay my mortgage down faster because everyone fucking complains in this country about paying somebody else's mortgage, but they don't complain about how much paying interest they... What's that? <laughs> yeah. About paying more of their own. Yeah. yeah. It's like, well, and then they complain about how much a bank makes. Well, why don't you complain about how much you don't make, make more, pay yep. the tax on it and pay that bitch off faster so yep. that you can say, well... 
I'm not contributing to that problem that I like to complain about because I'm actually taking it back from the banks because I'm squeezing this mortgage down even faster. Yeah, and you see it on like a chart where it's like, this is how much the banks get, but if you top up this much and it cuts, yeah, yeah. and people are like, can I have that? Yeah. 400K, please? <laughs> yes. like, well, you can if you pay an extra $18 a day or whatever the hell it costs. Yeah. Like, yeah. Oh, I'm not going to do that. Yeah, like, why not? Like, come on. Well, Netflix goes out on Tuesday, uh, <laughs> then Neon goes out, and then fucking Disney Plus, and then uh, HBO Max. Yeah. yeah, one beer in the Viaduct's 15 oh. bucks, and it's pretty tasty. <laughs> yep, 100%. Yeah, don't spill any of that shit nah. okay mate let's look at tips on buying your first home in negotiations for those people who are going to be looking there at that yep. in 2024 okay cool first thing i'd say is if you can avoid auctions unless you're really skilled and you've got someone there to help you i would just absolutely avoid auctions you are time forced to be unconditional on a certain date whether you've done your due diligence or not you also have to be most likely pressured into a 10 percent deposit from the agents even though legally you can just change that but they're going to be like nah 10% 10% so cash of 70 grand for a $700,000 house straight away on the day um, auctions are just designed to be all in the vendor's favour that bring out the cash buyers unconditional on the day 10% deposit yeah and, and emotionally get people to bid in the room tens of thousands of dollars more than they ever would if they didn't have to right you, you might go out look at the menu as we just said, be at the waterfront. You might choose the fucking Export 33 instead of the Petroni yeah. just because it's $9 more or $6 more. Yet you walk into an auction room and end up bidding 25 grand more just because some other guy was eyeing you up in front of your missus, being like, nah, this is our home. And you get all emotionally attached and you just fucking outbid him and you know that you overpaid. So yeah. auctions. But you sure would, told him. Yeah, but you told him <laughs> when your rate's fucking 9% in the next five years. <laughs> So I would say avoid auctions if you can. Look at priced, price by negotiation, look for the stale listings, understand that this is not your forever home. This needs to be, do you want to be one of those couples that catch up with the other ones that go, yeah, we've got our fourth rental now and blah, 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 that'll be for the kid and blah, blah, blah. And then, or you're the people that said, oh, we bought this fucking really nice new build. Um, it's really nice, but we don't really have friends over to entertain, but it's really nice for me, my wife and the dog. Yeah. Um, it's fucking $1.4 million in Takapuna. Um, you know, it's a bitch to cross the bridge to get to work. Like, what is the story? But it's so nice. It's, <laughs> you know, but it's mint. <laughs> the aircon is concealed so <laughs> it comes down to like if you want more property and you know that's ultimate wealth builder settle for something less settle for something that has more room to grow because you can add value to it that's why i always preach existing properties right um and if you can in this age if a lot of developers as well might be stepping back because of the fucking red tape that's been around from when, say, labels there. Um, the sales are very low. A lot of developers have pulled pin on sites. So houses with land has to be coming up more next year. In 2021, absolutely get fucked, no way. 2021, you can't get a house with a patch of grass on it because developers right there sniffing at it, right? Mm. That was 2021. Into next year is the best chance. As we were talking about beforehand, the developers' sales are going low. They're not really looking too much into the land. But at the same time, it could be cheaper for them. So it's a bit of a plus or minus. But there will be more existing houses there with the land. So if you can, for future development and growth for your own self, try and buy something with land on it. Because they're not looking at land 
because when they were, they were basically going to smack 64 houses on it or five or whatever 100%. and know that these are all new builds and people are going to buy them. They'll be interested like, to build yeah. their first-time buyers as well. Yeah. yeah. And now some of those rules are changing, so it's not going to be as appealing. And they've got the slowdown of the economy yeah. as well that they've got to face yep. where they've got less 100%. deals of their own settling to free up their cash flow. Yep. And then um, the other free thing, you can just keep on top of getting a pre-approval at the ready from a broker. Um, you know, they don't get, they don't charge you for this. For you know, they get paid from say, the bank in most cases. Have that on the ready, just so you know what you're looking for. If you can, you know, get the help of someone that's a professional in negotiating. That's that'll save you tens of thousands, right? Yeah. But first home buyers understand there's certain aspects of a request from the bank for builders reports that they want to look at. You cannot buy a house that's completely fucked that a flipper can go and buy because they want you to know most likely they'll see all your money and they'll be like, if you buy this house, how are you even going to renovate it? And if you can't renovate it and shit goes wrong and you need to rent it out or something, you won't get tenants. Mm. So you're just going to be, we're financially irresponsible giving you lending for this shit house. So the house has to appear quite like you could be buying in the regions. You could have a person buying in Invercargill right now that's going to buy a 120-year-old house. So the bank might ask questions about the piles, the roof, um, the electrical, the plumbing. Then you're going to have to go get insurance, and they're going to want that as well. You cannot buy any house without getting insurance from a finance point. So all of that stuff needs to be taken into effect when you're buying your first home. And that's where people go, oh, fuck it, we'll just buy the really good house now. But yeah. they don't know that there's a sweet spot in the middle. That's where you should be aiming for. What about using a buyer's agent? Is that it's not very common in New Zealand? Well, right? buyer's agent, there are a few out there. You might pay them fifteen to twenty grand, and then you have to sit on your ass and wait for them to email or call you that they've got a deal. That's literally where I based my mentorship pricing off. I was like, well, at least here I'll pay, I'll charge you that, but I'll also teach you, and we'll find a deal literally in the next three weeks. Yeah, buyer's agent for a first time buyer, don't recommend it. I'm probably going to use one when I finally buy a house. Eh? So really? I'm just going to be fucked going through the listings. Mate, all you need to know is like, what's your finance? What area do you want to live in? Yeah, and an experienced property investor should be able to do it. And they'll be able to be like, look, you buy this. It's a two-bedroom. Floor size is 110 square meters, 120. You should turn it into a three-bedroom yeah. instantly. The moment you buy it, that week, before you move all your shit into the fucking house, live in that room and build another wall here. Yeah, I'm, I ain't building no walls or anything. Yeah. Yeah. You want to get it out, <laughs> yeah. you know? Um, yeah, all that type of stuff. And then get the broker to shop around for rates, shop around for cashbacks, which also helps out. Yeah, um, yeah, that's that's probably the main tip for first-home buyers, but avoid auctions, price by negotiations, and uh, asking price is always going to be good. What about people take their parents i see this all the time where it's that big major decision and they've got to take their parents because they've got some import or they might even be using the bank of mum and dad do you come across that a bit well if you're using the bank of mum and dad you can't shit on them for visiting the house yeah there's literally you are the reason that you can even buy this house you have to respect their opinion right mm. and you know, you see the memes about it and the stereotype. The dad comes here and starts ripping apart the fucking the dwelling. He's yeah. like, don't, don't worry, we do this car salesman as well. Um, but, you know, take the experience. Chances are they've bought a house. They understand things. But it comes down to you as a listener right now. If you have done the homework and you follow fucking people like me and you've watched a lot of my content, maybe even come to one of my seminars, I would say you know more about property than your parents right mm. now so you have to sort of explain it to them where the dad might be looking at it on a very 
different point of view to what your plan is so you guys have to be on the same page before you even step foot on the property the goal here is to do it up and then sell it or do it up and leverage the equity to buy another house dad might be like oh nah you guys gonna where are you guys gonna put the dog where are you gonna have the kid where it's like this isn't the house for that dad etc etc right but yeah using using getting them in to help you get the bank approval from mum and dad will always help because they want to see things in the flesh, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, mate, finally, a prediction from you. In 2024, do you think you'll still maintain your unbeaten streak of not losing a dollar on a deal? That is a very good question. As my, I, I 100% would like to continue that for as long as I can. It comes down to the numbers game for the benefit and the negative. There's only a certain amount of houses you can flip until you just sound bullshit. Right, still to this day, the least we've ever made came to like six grand, but still no loss, right? Mm. And then now it's the average is around you know the, the amount we make now. And what but, is that? Are you happy uh, to say ninety? Wow, yeah, that's the average. Yeah, the across... one we just sold unconditional today is ninety four. Wow, yeah, that's what Investor Pro told me to the dollar, which is great. I think no, I've gone this long, man, without losing money. And I never had a actual proper breakdown figure to show me. Now I have Investor Pro. I don't see it going in the opposite direction. Yeah, good on you. Well, mate, thank you for your time. It's been awesome to dive into some of these predictions, some of these tips as well, mm. and basically get another deep dive into someone's mind around property including some of the questions from the followers of keep the change yeah thank them for that i'm sure we'll do it again in 2024 at some stage we yep. have to keep doing this every six months to see where your journey's at yeah 100 yeah i'll have a great 2024 same to all the listeners out there i'm sure people can stay close to your content via instagram you'll be doing webinars and seminars to teach people who are interested in property as well yep 100 at thomas singh and then a whole bunch of property tips posted on investor pro app on Instagram there we go oh and thanks for all the listeners and for you as always Luke no problem love the content holding me back making me slow used to hold on had to let go